Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The words for our sermon text will also come from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Please stand as we hear these words in Jesus' name. Mark writes, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is how it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way for you, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He preached, One more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. Here ends the words of our gospel, we pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. If you think of all the different people in the Bible, uh, you probably associate different events or characteristics or, or attributes with, with some different people. Uh, you think of Peter and how he was known for his, his great boldness, which sometimes got him in trouble. Uh, Thomas was known for his doubting, but then his, his great faith. Paul is known for his great missionary work. Um, even among the four Gospels, Matthew is known as the tax collector. Uh, Luke is known as the doctor. John as the wise and lofty evangelist. Mark's distinguishing trait is a little bit different. Uh, Mark's distinguishing trait is, is this, that when Jesus is captured in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark says this, A certain young man was following him, wearing just a linen cloth over his naked body. They seized him, but he left behind the linen cloth and fled from them naked. So what's Mark known for? Streaking. <laughs> Mark the streaker. Because of the fact that, that Mark records this, he's the only gospel that does, uh, the assumption is that it was actually Mark himself uh, that this happened to. Mark the streaker. Uh, but if we stop to think about what's going on, because it's a little weird, right? Uh, Mark is, is a young man mentioned here, probably around 11 or 12 years old, uh, because at 13, a boy is bar mitzvahed, and he's no longer considered a boy, but a man. Uh, he probably lives in the house of the upper room where the Last Supper took place, because earlier Mark also says, seemingly randomly, that there was a young man who carried water to the house uh, of the upper room. And by the way, water is a key picture throughout Mark's Gospel. 
And so likely Mark was doing what children do, eavesdropping on the Lord and his disciples on that Monday, Thursday, as he washes their feet, celebrates the Lord's Supper, and instructs them. As they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, as, after they sing a hymn, uh, Mark, even though he's supposed to be in bed, right? he's, a, he's a boy, uh, he, he sneaks out, and he's wrapped in, in, in a sheet. And he follows the disciples, uh, and he's almost taken prisoner by the guards, uh, but they, 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 they grab the sheet, and he flees from them naked. This event is, is Mark's fingerprint on the book. It's, it's, it's a shameful thing, right? It's to his shame. But this characteristic and this little story actually really shows to us the faith of children. You know, it's a myth that's been propagated uh, in, in the last 60 years or so that children will automatically despise the the, the culture of their parents, the, the generation gap theory, uh, that, that, that they won't be interested in what their parents are interested in, uh, and that they'll despise what, what their parents think is, is cool. Uh, this myth is a result of our consumer culture and wanting to sell new things every couple of years, uh, but it bleeds into the church, where some think that the, the church needs to be hip uh, with the kids, and, and we have to do things that the kids will like. <coughs> But children, like Mark, deserve more credit than we adults often give. If children don't like something that adults like most often, it's because the adults like something stupid to begin with uh, that's trying to be hip. It is not true that the gospel, especially, ever, needs to be packaged in such a way that children will pay attention to it or any other group will pay attention to it. It's the gospel. As we heard in our epistle, there's not one message for old people, not one message for, for young people, not one message for, for children, not one message for, for men, another for women. Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But then he says, that, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ Jesus. So it was God who, who gave some to be evangelists. It was God who gave some to be children, who, who might grow up into Christ, who is the head. And some, like Mark, the gospel reveals, are, are called to be both at different times. But it is always Christ who causes the growth. Nothing that you or I could do. You know, I am constantly amazed at the questions children ask about the gospel and the interest that, that many show uh, in the ancient practices of the church, the, the hymns that we sing that are 500 years old, the, the, the biblical texts that are thousands and thousands of years old, and, and so on. <clears throat> now, how often is it the kids actually love hanging around the adults and, and parents, doing what they do, talking about what they talk about, imitating what they do over and over and over for years and years, until now, alas, they are one of the adults and they're watching their kids Imitate them. At 11 years old, Mark is deeply interested in Jesus. And he's following these, these older men, these disciples, and he's learning from them to the point where he's almost captured by the guards in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Gospel lesson appointed for today, the Feast of St. Mark, taken uh, ironically from the Gospel of John, is a beautiful commentary 
on this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit, because without me, you can do nothing. Mark is like a tender shoot, a young branch on the vine. By the time he writes his gospel, as a mature believer, an old man, he, he knows his inadequacies. He knows nothing depends on him, but he owes everything to being connected to Jesus, the vine. He could produce no fruit on his own. He could do no works on his own without being connected to Jesus, without being connected to the divine, to Christ as the head. And Mark is specifically connected to Christ through the Apostle Peter. And just as Paul would say, joined together and held together by a supporting ligament. Peter was that supporting ligament for Mark. Mark later became a trusted companion and apprentice of Peter. Uh, Peter affectionately calls Mark his son. And Mark's gospel, if you read through it, is really told from Peter's point of view. It's filled with Peter's sermons, Peter's thoughts, and sometimes you'll hear the gospel of Mark referred to as the gospel of Peter. And significantly, just as Mark highlighted his own shame, his own nakedness, his his reeking story, Peter's blunders and failures are, are also out there for all to see in the Gospel of Mark, more so than, than all the other Gospels. Mark and Peter are not trying to, 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 to hide who they are. They're not trying to tell you who, who they are. They're trying to tell you who they're not. Rather, they're, they're trying to, to highlight who Jesus is. That's the whole point of Mark's Gospel. Mark wants to get you the hearer, the reader, to answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And the answer lies at the beginning of Mark's Gospel. After introducing John the Baptist, whose voice calling out in the wilderness was said to have sounded like that of a roaring lion, from which Mark the evangelist receives his symbol of the winged lion, Mark skips straight over Christmas, and he starts his gospel with the baptism of Jesus. As the Spirit descends on Jesus, the Father proclaims from heaven and says, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Right there, Mark tells you who Jesus is. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. He is the one and only one who does all things well. He's the one and only one with whom God is pleased. He is the Messiah who is baptized to take on our sins and our shame. And then you keep reading in Mark's Gospel. And you see Jesus as he goes out to the desert to be tempted by the devil. And the devil baits him with the question, Are you really the Christ? Are you really the Son of God? Are you really who you say you are? But unlike us, when the devil tempts us, Jesus resists. He is the Son of God, and he is without sin. And then Mark shows you Jesus performing miracles, which confirm that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God. And then you read in Mark's Gospel about Jesus predicting his suffering and death and resurrection, the very thing he has come to do. 
In the center of Mark's gospel, Peter is asked, who do you say Jesus is? And after a brief, very brief, great confession, immediately Peter falls into unbelief. But then you witness Jesus be transfigured on the mountain with Moses and Elijah, the representatives of all the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament, and they testify who Jesus is, that he is the almighty Son of God who has not come to terrify sinners, but to save them, including Peter. And then you follow Jesus to the garden, like the young boy Mark does, where Jesus is betrayed. The soldiers, chief priests, and rulers all mock him with who they don't think Jesus is. Hail, King of the Jews. And then the king is hung on the cross, and his own people bade him, just as the devil did earlier in Mark's gospel, if you really are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But then, after Jesus has died, you hear the confession of all people of the centurion, who says, truly, this man was the Son of God. And finally, now after hearing the, uh, what everyone else, who everyone else says Jesus is, now it's your turn. And Mark takes you to an empty tomb. And just as we did a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday where we read Mark's resurrection account and, and we're left hanging with the women. And at the empty tomb, you begin to wonder, maybe, just maybe, Jesus really was the Son of God. And so what do you do? You go back to Mark chapter 1. And you hear it again. And again. And again. And again. You follow Jesus like a young child. With wonder, but also with doubts, and maybe some fears, with, with maybes and some mites. You come as a child bearing water, where you, you hang out with the apostles and the prophets, and through them, your sin and your guilt are exposed. You find yourself naked, before God. But then you keep reading, and you find God naked and exposed on a cross instead of you. And you hear the words of the gospel over and over again. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so you begin to think, maybe, just maybe, that means I also am a child of God with whom God is well pleased. So you go back again to Mark chapter 1, and you hear it again, and again. And soon, because of the Spirit working through his word, you drop the maybe and you drop the might. And at the very end of the book, Mark tells you, and Mark appends his gospel with this. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. The book that started with Jesus being baptized in water. And God speaking from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and continues with the young son carrying water, finding himself exposed, ends with you baptized in water. In baptism, you are clothed with Christ's righteousness, no longer exposed in your shame, no longer naked in your guilt, but covered in Christ's holiness. Through baptism, you are joined to Jesus as the vine. You become a son of God, a branch on the vine. And together with your brothers and sisters, fellow ligaments supporting each other, 
with the Word of God. And through baptism, through being joined to Jesus, the sins that previously caused your guilt and your shame can actually be now done away with. You can now actually go bear fruit. You can do works that are pleasing to God. Not by your power, but Christ. And the Spirit's continual and repeated help over and over. Daily returning to your baptism in repentance and faith. And through the Gospel, which you hear over and over and over and over again. Like Mark, you are a son of God, a young child following Jesus. And by virtue of Jesus, in you, God is well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.